0: Such a hurry to get up here about shove David off the stage. All right, so um, I just to kick things off, I want to first start off by thanking the elders for allowing me to start doing this. I went to them a couple of weeks ago and asked them if I could start uh, preaching on the fourth Sunday of every month, and they graciously said yes. Refused to pay me, but that's okay. No, I did. If everyone knows kind of my background and what I've been doing um, over the last couple of years. I kind of started this off about six, five, six years ago with my first Devo. Um, I was so nervous, I about shook the, the the podium off the stage, and I've slowly been trying to work to get better at this. This is, this is something I like to do. If you would ask asked me two years ago if I would have wanted to do this, I would have told you you were crazy, but here we are. So just kind of a background, and, and I just wanted to thank everyone for for uh, for allowing it to happen and, and supporting me as I do it. So... Um, and then the other thing I would like to do is if you're visiting here, we welcome you. Uh, I'm not typically the normal speaker, but uh, it's getting interesting here, so we'll see. But anyways, this, the title for tonight's lesson is, What is Church? And it kind of almost goes along with, and some you'll see probably a little bit of the same points that I've, that Dad's been doing on Sunday mornings with the body of Christ, because some of this stuff's going to overlap, but I think since March... This question has really been asked a whole lot. And a lot of people are, well, I haven't asked that, I know what the church is. But if I think you really look at a lot of the situations or what's happening, you know, not being able to get into the church building and, and different things like that, I think we've seen this question asked more than than people realize. And so I think there's a great misunderstanding of what the church is or what the church should be. And I think that's even among the Christian world. I think we see that amongst the Christian world as well. So the question then, if I ask this question of the average person, the average person that's not a Christian is going to tell you, for the most part, the church is either a building or it's what the people that go to church do on Sundays. And if you ask a Christian what the church is, what are we going to say? Body of Christ, right? A group of believers. But here's my question to that question. Do you really believe that? Dad kind of emphasized that a little bit this morning do you really believe that if yes do you really live it so it's one thing to say you believe something it's another to actually live it I think a lot of times we give lip service to the fact that we are the church but I do not think that we live the fact that we are the church I'm gonna start the very beginning actually of the New Testament for the Greek word for church which is ekklesia. My, this, of any of the Greek words, y'all know me in my Sunday morning Bible class, I butcher them, but this one I know. Right? This is one of, I think, of any of the Greek words besides this and agape, we all know these two Greek words. It's first mentioned in Matthew, Matthew 16, verse 18. It says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, To give some background on this, this does not mean that he built his church upon Peter. He built his church upon Peter's confession that Jesus was the Son of God and that he was the Messiah. And so Jesus is telling him that he is building his church upon the fact that that's who he is. And if we break down the Greek word even more, it comes out of two words. The first one is ek, which stands for out of, from, or away. It denates exit or a mission out of a separation from something which, was, which there was a close connection. And then the second word is kaleo. And it is to call aloud or to call or to invite. And usually the reference there is loudly with a loud voice. So we are the called out in a loud voice. But one of the things I love about, um, and we're going to study this in, in the next couple of weeks, is the interpretation of the Bible. And William Tyndale, who was the first person to translate the English or the Bible into English from the Greek, translated this word congregation. And so did Alexander Campbell. I don't know if you all know this. Alexander Campbell actually has his own version of the New Testament that he translated from the Greek, and he used the same word congregation a group of people that are called out. So we are the called out. We are called out publicly, we are called out loud, and we are called out to be noticeable. Is that the church that we see today? I'd say no. And those who are typically loud are not the ones we want to be loud. It's not our good side. And so that hurts the church more than it helps it. But before I go into what the church is, or what is church, I want to look at three things that the church is not. The first thing is that the church is not a physical building or location. I think most of you are probably thinking, okay, thank you, Captain Obvious, we know that by now. But I don't know if we do. It's one of those things, again, that we say, but I wonder if we believe it. Because the problem is, is we've built our identity and and a lot of times our foundation around everything that happens or is created in the building. You think of all of our programs and all the things that we do. They're very good, and I'm not, going, I'm not trying to knock those. But you think of most of the things that we do. Where do they happen and where, where are they happening? Here, in the building or on the grounds, right? And again, those aren't bad things. But when it's almost everything that you do, that's when it's a problem. We have 168 hours in a week. And for the most part, Three of those hours, four maybe, depending on when you come, is spent here in the building. So you have somewhere between 165 to 167 hours of the week out in the world that you're to be the church. I think the coronavirus has spe- has spread some light on this in the sense that we say it's not a physical, the church is not the physical location of the, local, the physical building, but in a lot of senses, we could not wait to almost scratch the door, break the doors down to get back in here. Again, we need to be here, and we're gonna, I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit. But I think we've created our identity around this building and around what goes on in here, and, that, and that's not to be the case. And I know some of you are thinking, well, we're in the middle of a building program, Chad. Why are you talking about this? The building can be used for good things, right? And we need it. To use, well, we don't have to have it, but it comes in very useful for the things that we want to do and for spreading the word. But it, we need to make sure that it's not our identity. The second thing the church is not, it is not a bunker. And it kind of ties to the first one a little bit. In many ways, we have turned the church or the church building, even the church itself, into a bunker. All right, the church is our safe space, and it should be, right? This is an area where we, we come back on a regular basis. The reason, I think, the main reason for the not forsaking the assembly of the saints is for us to come back and recharge on a regular basis because being out in the world is hard. But we can't come into the church and just lock ourselves in and yell to the rest of the world, if they want to come, they can come be safe in our bunker. Most of you are familiar, I think, with World War II. Right? Hopefully the kids in here have learned about it in history class. What would have happened in, during World War II on D-Day if the, they stormed the beaches of Normandy, went in, took it, and then right there on the beaches built a ton of bunkers and just locked themselves in the bunker? We'd have lost. The Nazis would have loved it, right? Because, all right, well, they can stay in their bunkers all they want to. We'll worm around and do whatever we want. That's kind of the world we live in today. The church, for the most part, has locked itself in the four walls of the building and really doesn't try to interact much with the world because it's crazy out there. We've turned it into a bunker. It's not. And lastly, and I might get some heat for this one, the church is not a political party or system. The church today has become more focused, I think, sometimes on politics than it has on Jesus. And I'm going to share a secret with you. There's not a politician or a political party out there today that is going to save your soul or a single soul of a person you know. Pushing politics is not evangelism. And we need to stop pretending that it is. And I'm going to be honest with you, this was a hard one for me to get over because I used to be a very, very, very political person. Those who've known me for more than five years know that. But here's the thing. When we turn politics... Into our, our personal evangelism, we immediately alienate 50% of the people we're trying to reach. If you tie the two together on a regular basis, then you are immediately alienating someone 50% of the country right now. If you look at it for the most part, country split right down the middle. Now, what I'm not saying here is that we don't take a stand against things like abortion. It's one of the big things that we see right now, is, is human trafficking tra- tra- children trafficking those are things those are the type of things that we need to sta- stand up against and, and take a stand against but here's here's my thing I, I think we can do this without all the politics I think satan uses politics to divide us and to distract us and I think he's done a very good job of it what I am saying is that the churches was folks, if the church was focused entirely on the mission of God and converting people to Jesus, most of the problems we have out in the world would fix themselves. It's not going to be solved through Washington. we know that. We have 400, at this time, about 400,000 churches in the United States. If those 400,000 churches mobilized the way that we saw in the book of Acts, the way the church mobilized, we'd we'd, we'd solve our problems in a very short time. So I think our focus sometimes is on the wrong thing. So those are kind of three things I wanted to get out of the way, what church is not. So what is church? I'm going to look at four things, and I'm going to start in Ephesians, because I think Ephesians in chapter 2 talks and and presents almost a, a very beautiful picture and paints a very beautiful picture of what the church is. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. It says, Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. I think that's a beautiful picture. You know, they talk about this because at the time, you know, they had the temple there, which is now destroyed. It's been leveled all the way down to almost the very first stone. So now we are, we are God's house. We are to be His house, and the, and Jesus is to be the cornerstone, and we are carefully put together. You know, we're not just randomly here, right? You have a purpose. If you are here, and you are you are a member of of the church. You've been carefully joined together becoming a home, holy temple for the Lord. So let's look at four things that the church is. The first one, and we've already talked about it a little bit, the church is the called out. Ecclesia, right? We look at Ephesians 4:1, Paul here says, "Therefore I a prisoner for serving the Lord." He was writing this from jail. Beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Now, what have we been called by God for? We've been called to Him, right? To do His will, to serve Him. If you look at the Greek word here, this is Kaleo, or actually both of them are used, Kaleo and Kalesis. One's the verb form, one is the noun form. This is the one of the root words that we just talked about for Ecclesia. We are the called out. So we need to look at who we are. I think sometimes we focus on too much on what we do. And not to say that things that we do are not important. But I think if we could really start to focus on who we are and who we are to be, the what we do will easily fall in line. We are to be set apart. We are to be different. But I think a lot of times, like I just talked about, we are not. And in fact, if you look at statistically, we are not. The most recent study that they did, they did a study comparing and asking Christians and non-Christians Different questions about their daily lives, about you know spiritual immorality or, or morality. And here's what they found. There is no difference between Christians and non-Christians when it comes to language, when it comes to the TV shows we watch, when it comes to the movies we watch, when it comes to the door, divorce rate, when it comes to the infidelity rate, when it comes to the viewing and viewership of pornography, when it comes to all these different things, there is no, hardly any statistical difference between the Christian and the non-Christian, or those who claim to be Christians and non christians The only thing that was different, and I've mentioned this before, is non-Christians recycle more. I don't know why, but that's it. So are we a representation of who we are? Are we the called out? Do we behave? Do we work out in the world like we are the called out the second one and go with me on this one before you react the church is more than worshiping god and in parentheses the way we have defined worship you ask most christians what worship is they will tell you what they do on sunday Maybe sunday night maybe wednesday I'm going to read from Colossians 3, and it's verses 1-17. through 17. I debated on whether I would read the whole thing, but I think we should. And I think it paints a beautiful picture of what worship is. Now, the title of here is Living the New Life. But I think if you look at worship and what it is, it is the way I think we live our lives, especially for Jesus. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to picture... And this depends on there's going to be debate. We'll just split it down the aisle of, of what we call it. I want you to picture either a GIF or gif, however you pronounce it, right? And I want you to picture, as, as we're reading through this, a dirty man or woman. Picture someone who's been dipped in one of Chuck's septic tanks and pulled back out. As we read through this and watch the picture that that happens with this person as we go through this. So we're going to start in Colossians 3, verse 1. Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place and honor of God, at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you have died to this life, and your real life is hidden within Christ in, in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, You will share in all his glory. So, this is the start of who we are and what we're to do. Verse 5: so put to death. The, The word death here in the Greek means not, it's a very strong word. It means to get rid of completely, to wipe out. The sinful earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of the world. So we are to put these things, we are to destroy them, wipe them out. Not suppress them, not, not, not try to do them, but wipe them out completely. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. Right? We are called out, we are separated, we are, we are pulled away. That connection that we had with it, that that called out, we were removed from that close connection we had with the world. Verse 8, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all the wicked deeds. So now you're picturing that guy, he's he's taking off all that dirt, washing off all that dirt and those dirty clothes. Verse 10, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. This is a process. We don't become a Christian one day and just we're like Christ the next. right? We put on our new nature and we're renewed and we learn to know who our Creator is and we work to become like Him. Verse 11. In this new life, it does not matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, Slave or free. Read that again. In this new life, it does not matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. It does not matter who you are. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must, again, close yourself with tenderheartedness Mercy, humility, gentleness, and patience. These are the fruit of the Spirit. We've been talking about these in the Sunday morning Bible class. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive us. To me, this is, when we start looking at things, this is worshiping God. When we start doing the things that God did for us, we're showing who he is to others. To me, that is an w- act of worship for God. Fourteen, and this is it. Above all, and this is that final clothing, that, that picture of going from dirty to nasty to clean. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Love is that final bow, I guess, on, the, on top, right? Verse 15, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. And this is where we start to get into what we do or doing now, right? Verse 16, Let the message about Christ In all of its richness, fill your lives, right? Teaching the message of Christ. Teach and counsel others, each other, with all of your wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And then finally in verse 17, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. I think those 17 verses are almost a perfect representation of what it is to worship God. It's what it is to come out of a dirty life, to come to a new life, to put on Jesus, to to be made new, and to move forward doing the things that he asked us to do. So when I say that church is more than worshiping God, the way we have defined it, Typically, when we say worship, what do what we define worship as? Five acts, right? Now, these are good things, and we should do them. I don't, don't get me wrong, right? Do we find them in the Bible, and we should follow them, and we're commanded to do them. But I think sometimes we've limited our worship to these five things. You know, we, we come into the doors, we do the Lord's Supper, we give, we, we hear the preaching, we pray, and we sing. And we're done. But it's so much more than that. That's just a part of it. That's just a small part of what we do in, in our daily and weekly lives. I think we focus so much on being here when the doors are open and what's going on during that time that we've made that a measure of what a Christian or what a church is. But I think it's so much more than that. And a lot of people will say, well, Chad, what about forsaking the assembly? I'm not talking about forsaking. I'm not saying we need to forsake the assembly. But me and Helen were having a conversation, the other day and she made a really good point. I've never heard this before. So I hope I'm not repeating anything, and I didn't get her permission to use it. But we were talking about this very thing, about the forsaking the assembly. And she said, Chad, just because you're here does not mean you aren't forsaking the assembly. And that's so true. You, know, you can be in this building every single time it's, uh, the doors are open, you could participate in every single live stream we have. But if you're not doing the things that Paul was talking about in this chapter and, and what the whole Bible talks about, then you're just a person sitting in a, in a seat in a comfortable chair in a building. And that's all. And so we've got to change that. We've got to do more. We've got, we cannot limit our worship to just what we do on Sunday mornings or Sunday evenings or perhaps Wednesday. It's so much more than that. And I I would say, and I've said this before, what we do outside of this building is more important than what we do inside it. doesn't take away from what we do in here, but what we do out there is more important, and that is bringing people to Christ. Third thing, and Dad talked about this a little bit this morning. The church is a powerful movement, or at least it should be, And I say that because of a lot of the things I've seen people talk about or heard people talking about. And, you know, one of it's the government. Well, the government's trying to keep us from from going to church, or the government's trying to keep us from being the church, or the government's trying to shut us down. The government can't shut us down. The government can tell us that we can't ever step foot in this building again, and I guarantee you the church will keep on going. The church is a powerful movement. It's more powerful than what the government says we can do. It's more powerful than what COVID is. And I, so I think we got the mind, wrong mindset around that. All right, I think this COVID, I honestly believe, and, and people can debate with me on that one thing. I honestly believe the good Lord was trying to use the COVID as an opportunity to kick us out of our buildings. I really do. He gave us an opportunity to have people. I cannot tell you the number of people who had non-Christians in their homes watching services with them or people who had not been in church in a long time watching our church services with us because what all of a sudden there was a huge attention on the fact that no one could hardly leave their house i think we missed out on a great opportunity to be the church not in this church building so we'll go back to matthew 16 verse 18 Christ says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and what? All the powers of hell will not conquer it. One scholar wrote this and said that they believe what his interpretation meant here was that all the power and policy of hell combined could not conquer the church. Nothing. The church is the most powerful thing on this earth. No government is going to stop it. it. The Roman government itself tried to stop it, and what happened to the Roman government? They're a little tiny city in Rome, right? We got Rome, right? They don't exist anymore. And every single, in every single country that tries to take the church out, what happens to the church in that country? It grows. I mean, look what happened to the look what's happening to the church in China right now. They are going and tearing down their church buildings. And that church is growing faster than anywhere else, hardly. So the question goes back then, look how powerful the church is, but do we believe it? Do we really believe that the church is as powerful as the Bible tells us it is? What do our actions say? All right, so we we can go through acts, right? We see the church in Acts. We know what they did there. It was a powerful movement. It was a powerful movement all the way through the New Testament. They were public. They were passionate. And nothing was going to stop them. They spread anywhere they could spread. And if you look at the church today, for the most part, it is private. Don't show that much excitement or passion because we can't look like we're having fun. And a lot of times we're stopped by the front doors when we walk out of them. It doesn't go any further than that. And a lot of people say, well, Chad, that's kind of harsh. In a lot of cases, this is true, though. What we do doesn't leave much past those doors. And we can, we can kind of prove that. And, and if we were to do a survey, let's just leave it to the survey of the city of Lake Park. And if you were to go to the city of Lake Park or ask the, the citizens in the city of Lake Park what is a powerful movement in the city of Lake Park? What do you think they're going to tell you? The far out? City Hall? The most recent ones I think that we had to fight against is some code enforcement or a, a, a question or a fight about who owns what around the lake, All right? Very few churches are known for more than just being a building in a city or a town. And we need to change that. We definitely need to change it. We need to be a movement. You know what? Why don't we? We are the Lake Park Church, right? Lake Park Church of Christ. So why don't we start by being a movement for the Lake Park City of Lake Park? Just start here. I bet you if we went down to City Hall and say, or or or, um, the one over there in the mall area and said, hey, what can we do? I bet you they have a list this long of things we could help them do. Let's be a movement. Let's be the called out for the city of Lake Park. Then we can once we've kind of established that in Lake Park, maybe we can move into the rest of the county and move down to, to, into northern Florida and be a movement, be a powerful movement. Nothing's going to stop us. It does not matter. It doesn't matter if the Lake Park, Georgia, or the United States come and says, you can't have a building no more. So what? And then finally, the church is us. Dad's been talking about this on Sunday mornings. We are the body of Christ. We'll look at two verses around that real quick. The first one is 1 Corinthians 12. 12. This is kind of the start of this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. All of you together, verse 27... All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Let me ask you a question. What would happen in here if suddenly everyone in here, all of a sudden, only 20% of your body started working? What would happen? Every single one of us would die. Maybe some of us would live. Maybe there's enough of that 20% to keep you alive for a little while? But that's what we see in the church today for the most part. If you look at the church and what's going on, and you look at the statistics, anywhere from 2 to maybe 5 to 10% of the church is actually evangelizing. One of the studies, that the most recent studies they did, only 2% of the people who claim to be Christians had converted someone in the last five years. And then if you look at the works of the church and the things that we're doing, normally it's about 20% of the the body that's doing it. I think here it's a little more than that. But again, what happens if just 50% of your body's working? It's not going to function, right? Depending on what 50% may die. And I think that's what we're seeing today. If you look at the churches around us, and COVID has accelerated this, and we don't don't know the final fallout of it yet. But if you look at a lot of the churches today, most of them are functioning with 20% of the body that's doing the work. And they're dying. They're slowly dying. Some of them are quickly dying, but they are dying. So we are the church, and we need to be the church and do the things of the church. And I phrase it like this. We are the body of Christ who has been publicly called out, made to be the children of God who are to love above all things while we carry out His mission. i gonna read that again. We are the body of Christ who has been publicly called out, made to be the children of God who are to love above all things while we carry out His mission. His mission. And I'll say this. If we are not doing all these things, then we are just a club. Just a social club. Because to be honest with you, if you take some of the things in some churches, you got some social clubs that do more. And I I don't say that to be mean, just the truth. A lot of churches are just social clubs for their members. They do things for them. They have events for them. They hardly ever reach out to the the public. And so they're not really a church. They're just a social club. And we don't want to be that. We should not be that. (coughs) So that's my question to you tonight then. Who are we? Are we the called out? Are we the body of Christ? Are we going to do what he has commanded us to do because if we're not then we might as well just shut up the doors and let someone else do it I'm gonna pray real quick and then I'll give the invitation Lord we come to you now and I just I want to thank you for everything you've done for us I want us to thank you for giving us the church and giving us the power behind the church that it is through your son And God, I just ask that you you be with us and and you help guide us and show us that what we need to do as the church, that we need to be the church, that we need to be out there converting others to you, Lord. Going out there and reaching other people. And I and I hope that, and I ask that you will put a passion in us and and allow us to look at ourselves and examine ourselves and say, you know what, if I'm not doing this, then Lord help me do this. Help me get the passion for 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 others, for those who are lost, for those who do not look like me, who do not act like me, and do not think like me. Help me get that passion, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, some of you, I, I'm looking around, and I think most people in here uh, are, are have given their, Christ, their life to Christ. But if you haven't, or, or if you're watching us online and you haven't, then this is a perfect time, because I'm hoping what you're going to see is a group of people who go out and change the world. That's what I hope. And, and, and I think sometimes our, our Christianity, or, or people push back maybe sometimes for being a Christian for what they see, but I, I want you to know that you're going to see a church who loves you no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been. That picture of that dirty person, you can say, well, that person's me. If it is, and we can wash all that off. Start new. And then, if, and then, as most of you are, I think most of you in here are Christians. If you look and say, hey, you know what, I just have not been being the church that I'm supposed to be, the member or the body of the church that I'm supposed to be, then 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 look at that and see why. Why am I not? Because there, there's a reason, and I'm sure there's a deep reason sometimes. Sometimes we've just gotten complacent. But if you're in that, you know, you don't have to come up here, man. If you feel like you should, do it. But just ask for the forgiveness of us not being the church that we're called to be and make the promise that you're going to do that. Make the promise that you're going, you know, I'm going to be the church from now on. I'm going to do everything I can to try to convert as many people and get as many people into heaven with me. If you're in any of those situations, come now while we stand and sing.